Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our meditation this morning is our epistle lesson from Colossians chapter 1. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and the love that spring from the hope that soared up for you in heaven. And about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. You know what they say about assuming, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption that every one of us always wants to be better and improve and grow. Right? We, we want to be better at eating right and exercising more and getting more sleep. Maybe, maybe putting down the phone or turning off the TV and reading a little bit more. Maybe being better at our jobs. And maybe on a day like today, dads, yeah, it, this day that's set aside to honor you, it's kind of nice and special for people to say things, nice things to you, but, but you know you're really not that great, right? You know your failures more than anybody. And don't you want to be a better dad, no matter how old your kids might be? Right? We want to be better moms and, and better children and, and better neighbors, right? I think it's safe to assume that there's so many areas of our life where we want to grow, we want to be better. We're not okay where we're at. And I think that goes for our faith life too, right? I don't think if I, if I got to ask each one of you here this morning that you'd say, yeah, I'm okay where I'm at in my faith life. No, we want to be more godly. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to make more God-pleasing decisions in our life. We want to be in the Word more. We want to be you know, living our faith more. We want to be volunteering more. We want to be using our time and our talents to serve others and doing it all with less guilt and less hesitation. Right? We want to grow in our faith and live our faith. I think that's a pretty safe assumption. We desire to grow and be better. But there's those times in life when even though we desire to be better and grow, where complacency can set in because it seems like it doesn't make any difference, right? Why should I strive to be a better parent? The kids don't listen to me anyways. Why should I be a better employee and work harder at my job. My boss treats me like garbage no matter what. Why should I be in a Bible class or study my Bible more? I've tried it and it just doesn't seem to make my life any better. There's those things in life that we try, we know we should be better, we strive to be better, but we end up becoming jaded and hopeless because no matter what I do, nothing seems to change. And that's why Paul was writing to these Christians in Colossae. These are some very new Christians. In fact, Paul had never met these Christians before. Epaphras, who's mentioned in our lesson, 
He, he is a native from Colossae, and he was sent there by Paul to start the church. And all that Paul knows is what Epaphras has come back to tell him. But, but these are Christians who are struggling. They're struggling in their faith. They're, they're rather immature yet in their knowledge of, of God and his word. They're being questioned by their family and friends on what they believe and why they believe it. They're being persecuted by their government. They're in danger of giving up hope. And why? Why should we continue? Why should we continue to grow and be better when it comes to our faith? And that's why Paul writes to them, to encourage them, to not give up hope. And it's interesting what, what Paul writes here, and he does this in so many of his letters. He starts out with encouragement, with a prayer, with, with pointing out what, what God has done for them and through them and in them. And he says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of God's people. Paul says, we, we've heard about your faith. It's evident. It's on full display. And what flows from that faith, what always flows from faith in Christ, is love. Faith will always be accompanied by love. Love for God and love for one another. Paul says that's evident. Everyone knows about it. They know about your faith and your love in Christ Jesus. And that's resulting in, he says, hope. This faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven Right? It's that hope that they have that is increasing their faith and love. So don't give up hope. So what is hope and, and why is it so important? Hope in the Bible is not a wish. It, it's not something that I you know, desire to happen. Hope is confidence. It's certainty. Hope is driving or flying home for Thanksgiving. And knowing that when you walk in the door, that Thanksgiving meal is going to be just waiting for you there. And you can almost taste it already, but you don't have it yet. It's signing that lease for that new apartment that is bigger and nicer in a better part of town. Uh, but, but you don't get to move in until next month. But, but it's as good as yours. The papers are signed. That's hope. It's confidence. It's knowing something is mine without having it yet. And the hope that we have in Christ is, is far better than any apartment or Thanksgiving dinner. It's the hope of heaven. The hope of knowing that we have a place in heaven waiting for us through Christ Jesus. It's already as good as ours. We're not there yet. Not quite fully in our grasp, but, but it's ours. It's signed, it's sealed, it's yet just to be delivered. And Paul writes to these Colossian Christians, and he writes to you and me, let that hope be your anchor. Let that hope be what your faith and your love spring from. And where do you get this hope? This hope is found in, Paul says, the true message of the gospel that has come to you. You want this hope, you want this confidence, you want this anchor in your life that, that from which springs faith and love in your life? It's 
found in the true message of the gospel, that, that message that you have a Savior who lived for you and died for you and rose for you, this hope of Jesus Christ, on which we build all things, on which we build the foundation of everything we are and, and everything we believe in, this hope of Jesus Christ, this good news of the gospel, that all things are done. The perfect life has been lived. The punishment for sin has been paid for. The grave has been defeated as Jesus rose victoriously. Your enemies of sin, death, and the devil no longer have any power over you. The gates of heaven are open to all who believe. It's yours. This is your hope. Your hope from which spring faith and love. The hope that is found in this true message of the gospel that we always can go back to in word and in sacrament. In those times when we feel like giving up and losing hope and thinking, is this all worth it? And Paul goes on to say, you want some proof? You want some proof that this word, this gospel really works, that it does increase hope and faith and love? This is what he says. He says, in the same way that that gospel has come to you and it's doing its work, he says, in the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. Paul says, you want proof that it's working? Look, look around. Look at how it's bearing fruit throughout the entire world, just as it has among you. And now maybe you'd say, well, well Paul, maybe it was at your time. But you don't live in 2021. <laughs> hey, maybe you think the, the gospel certainly doesn't look like it's bearing much fruit and growing. Because look at the state of our world and our country and even our own community. It certainly doesn't seem like God's word is doing its thing. Instead, it looks like evil is winning. I mean, God's word is being ignored and ridiculed. But think about this. When Jesus ascended into heaven, you know how many believers there were? 120. Ten days later, after the day of Pentecost, on that day, 3,000 were baptized, became believers. When Paul wrote this letter to the Christians in Colossae, about 25 years later, after Jesus had ascended, estimates are that there were a half million Christians, 25 years later. You know how many Christians there are today? How many people profess to believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior right now today on this planet? 3.4 billion. That's a lot of people. The gospel is doing its work. It is growing. It is bearing fruit. The good news of our Savior is being heard and it's being believed and it's changing lives and changing eternities. And yeah, you might say right now it doesn't really look like it here in our country, but, but look beyond our borders. Into places like Africa and China and India and Pakistan. The gospel is spreading like wildfire. People are coming to faith and it is bearing fruit. But Paul says, even here. Oh, it, you can look out at the world and see it, but, but right here. Even though it may not look like much, the gospel is bearing fruit. Maybe not in the way that we want it to. 
Right? Maybe we wish that every single seat was filled here this morning and there was still a line out the door. And that's something wonderful to hope for and pray for. But right now, as we sit here, even just the few of us, the gospel is doing its work. It is bearing fruit. It is increasing your hope and your faith and your love so that you can go and share that with absolutely everybody. The gospel always works. That's God's promise. It is always doing its mighty work. If we desire to grow, to grow our faith, and if we desire to grow our church, if we want to share this gospel with more and more people, well then, we go back to that gospel. And we grow in that gospel. And we proclaim only the gospel. And friends, I'll go far to, as far as to say, if you want to be a better father, or a better mother, or a better friend, or neighbor, or employee, if you just want to be better, it all starts at the gospel. The good news that you are free. And you are forgiven. And you are already loved no matter what. Because it's here in the gospel that no matter, in spite of your failures, in spite of all of your sins, you are at peace with God, your heavenly Father. You are loved. Heaven is yours. Nothing can change that. That's the message of the gospel. This gospel that points you back to Jesus that points you to his perfection for you. Back to Jesus and back to his cross that assures you that, yes, all of your mistakes and failures and sins are taken away. Points you back to Jesus, who has defeated all of those enemies for you, so that you can know and experience, as Paul says here, that you can truly understand God's grace. In 2015, a man, a young man named Dylan Roof, walked into a church and sat down in their Bible study. And he sat quiet for a little while, just listening. And then after sitting there, pulled a gun out and killed nine people in that Bible study. At his initial court hearing, some of the family members of the victims got to speak some words to Dylan. And where you think you'd hear words of anger and hatred and calls for vengeance, it was quite the opposite. This is what one of the daughters of one of the victims said. She said, I'll never be able to hold her again, but I forgive you. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people. But God forgives you, and I forgive you. Anthony Thompson, his wife, Myra, was killed by Dylan, and he said, I forgive you, and we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent and confess and give your life to the one who matters most, to Christ, so that he can change your life and he can change your ways that no matter what has happened to you, you'll be okay. My friends, that's grace. That's undeserved love. 
And friends, it's just a small glimpse of the grace that God has and shows to you. That no matter what you've done, no matter your past, no matter your present, God loves you. God forgives you. And you'll be okay. It's this grace of God that we long to know and understand more and more and more. Because it's this gospel that empowers us. That empowers us to be able to go and to live the gospel in our lives. If you want to be a more forgiving father or mother or husband or wife, then know God's forgiveness for you and Jesus all the more. If you want to let that love of Jesus be more evident in your life and, and put your self-interest aside more, then know and experience the love that God has for you in Jesus. If you want to be a more kind and compassionate and patient parent or employee or neighbor, well then know God's patience and compassion and kindness towards you in Jesus all the more. Friends, it's here in the gospel that your faith grows. It's here in simple things like words and water and bread and wine that God causes your faith to grow. It's here that God promises that that gospel will bear fruit and grow your faith and your hope and your love in Christ Jesus. You know, when, when the world looks at our church, I, w I wonder what they think. Bunch of people who are broken, hurting, sinners, people who aren't all shiny and perfect. And that's okay. Because those are the very places that God does his work. Among those who know that they're sick and need a physician. Among those who know that they are broken and hurting and need mending among those who know that they are sinners, desperately in need of a Savior. And friends, it's in the gospel, this good news, that you are healed, that you are refreshed, that you are forgiven, that you are empowered to go and to bear fruit in your life. Dear friends, make your life in God's kingdom one of growth, continually growing, growing in that grace of God as you worship, as you study the word, as you come to a Bible class. Grow in that gospel. Grow in that grace of God so that you can go and live in the peace of what's already done for you and live to live for his glory, to live for him and through him and in him. To him be the glory now and forever. Amen.